Hey, everybody. Welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast from Vitality, where we get the opportunity to talk to people from all walks of life about their personal journeys towards becoming legend. This week, we have on Joel Green, a cryotherapy pioneer and founder of Primal Cold. So Primal Cold is a cryotherapy company started by Joel. He is the inventor of the devices. And I have some of the Primal Cold products, um, specifically the Jetpack, and I absolutely love it. I will have a link to Joel's website in the show notes. The other thing that we talk an awful lot about in this episode is the idea of biohacking. And biohacking um, is just really the idea of utilizing different tools, eating methods, eating styles to help our body's biology feel their best. Whether you know it or not, if you've been on a whole body vibration plate, you can describe yourself as a biohacker. Whole body vibration is um, definitely a, a hacking technology. If you think about the fact that we, we've we taken our uh, yoga practice and we've shrunken the time frame down to 15 minutes and you still get so many of the benefits, that really is the epitome of biohacking. So you almost certainly are a biohacker um, with Without further ado, let's get to this week's episode of Becoming Legendary with Joel Green. There are no gold medals for down dog. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Can become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Goal is to be the best version. Patrick, how you how doing, you, man? man? Good. So how's the day? The day has been beautiful. It's, uh, I mean, as you know, it's sunny in Arizona. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. Cool. So one of the things that I always start off every single um, conversation with is what does a typical day in your world look like? Well, let's see. So... I've got two sons, and uh, so the typical day and a, and a nine-to-five job and all that, so the typical day is going to be, uh, these days at least, waking up at around 5.30 in the morning and uh, packing my kids' uh, lunches for school, and that includes sending them off to school with uh, bottles of uh, spring water from... Uh, Harding Spring, which is along Oak Creek, uh, just north of Sedona. Yeah. And so after I pack those lunches, I'll brew up some coffee for me and my wife and, of course, do the whole butter coffee thing, throw some healthy fats in there. Um, and that's a good way to – a good foundation for the morning, uh, for me at least. And then um, I'll hop in the shower and my shower, I put some infrared, red, infrared um, heat lamps in the shower behind a plexiglass uh, sheet as well. And so I've got that up in the corner of the shower. So every morning I'm going to get some red light therapy uh, without even trying yeah. or adding extra time into my day because um, I just don't. 
I don't like the idea of it's hard to add have a new routine. It's hard to add yeah. uh, something into your day that takes time out of your day a lot of the times. So, so I give a lot of thought to just how can I automate things and get something in that doesn't require extra time. Um, and so after that, then I'll take uh, my oldest son to school. And on the way into school, we'll either listen to a, maybe a podcast or or listen to some Alan Watts or some Tony Robbins or something like that. And uh, so that's our start today. Okay. I, there's, there's so much into that. So one, I want to, I want to backtrack to kind of the, how we first interacted, which was through Instagram, which um, is, is just funny. It's kind of that, that small yet large biohacker world. Um, so the the biohack of starting out well we started out with water right so we started out with with natural spring water can you can you fill me in on on the concept yeah. behind it's harding spring right yeah yeah fill me in on on why why that's I'm, so important to you and how that became so important i was a slow convert really um uh, a friend of mine who's an herbalist uh, up here in Flagstaff, she had mentioned that spring, and um, we were already – we've got this water filter as well. It's a, a European um, ceramic water filter. Uh, it's just a gravity feed. It's called a Big Berkey, yeah. and, and those are great. And I figured, hey, this is good enough. And so I really didn't think about it. And then my wife um, – had mentioned it as well, maybe a month later, and we went down there to this spring. It's just, it's one of the easiest springs in the world to get to. I mean, some of these springs, like up near Mount Shasta, I remember going, we uh, stopped off there a while ago to get some water, and it's not, it wasn't very easy to access, and there's mosquitoes everywhere, and so it's just not fun. But, <laughs> but this one along the creek on the way to Sedona, it's just so easy, and as we're collecting this water, it, first of all, it tastes so much better than spring water that you're going to buy at the store that's been sitting in a glass bottle for a while. Yeah. Um, because it's, I mean, it's filtered through uh, Oak Creek Canyon, so it's filtered through millions of pounds of stone. And I didn't really realize until that moment when we were first collecting it that, oh my gosh, my entire life, I've been drinking water that has traveled through miles and miles of these labyrinths of pipes, and that is just some some strangeness. It's yeah. a high level of strain. It's a high level of strangeness that we we just take for granted. For sure. And and so now it's become uh, just kind of a a ritual almost where we will. Um, We'll go down there every couple of weeks and load up on water, and you know we'll listen to uh, maybe Harry Potter audio books or something like that on the way down. <laughs> you know, just Love do it. something fun, and the, and the kids like it. And so it's just a beautiful thing to go down there and collect water, and you always are going to meet some interesting people down at the spring because it's close to Sedona. So um, yeah, you're going to meet some interesting types <laughs> I- there. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's awesome. I have to believe, yeah, there's some amazing stories that come out of, of that. How often are you, how often are you headed, are you collecting water? 
So we'll do it every about two weeks. Okay. Um, and we'll collect, uh, we'll collect, um, what is it? I think about 20 gallons or so. And that'll, that'll mostly do it for us. Um, we've been thinking of getting some more containers. Um, and originally I was thinking of going super purist and getting glass containers. Yeah. Um, but I actually went with plastic, uh, the you know, BPA free plastic because it can be downright treacherous in the winter to try to collect mm water down there and there's ice there's ice everywhere yeah. so if you slip while you're while you're holding like a three gallon yeah glass jar or one gallon container of glass it's it could be a problem for you <laughs> so, it'd be very problematic um, yeah but it's a so all of the water you, you pragmatic use about this stuff all of the water you use for um consumption comes from that spring i mean i try not to be too purist about it there yeah. is it's really easy to get, or at least maybe it's just me, but it's easy to get overly upset and and focused on not doing right mm. instead of just being a little um, a little bit more gentle with yourself and forgiving with yourself and say, hey, it's it's not perfect, but it's good enough. So, Done uh, is better. But yeah, than I would perfect. say you know most of the water we're drinking is not like just out of the spring, um, and we've been doing that for. Uh, maybe over a year now, and yeah, cool. it's great. Cool. It's it's a be- it's an amazing resource to have. The lines of how what how long is the actual process of collecting the twenty gallons of water? Oh, it's it's pretty quick. I would say if you're if you're fast about it, it really from our house it takes maybe fifty minutes to do it. Okay. To get to get down there and back, it's not that bad at all. That is, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that is really amazing. All right, so you've touched on a couple of things. Like you touched on that concept of um, done is better than perfect, which is one of my favorite concepts of all time. You touched on the idea of not really wanting to change, not really having the ability to change everything. So you you came up with this system of um, infrared sauna or infrared lights within the shower. You've you've described yourself to me as a lazy biohacker. Can you can you just kind of expand upon upon that concept? I, it goes right along with what you've been saying already. Yeah. Um, so I think. Well, for, I mean, first of all, I'm a parent. You know, two young kids and the job. I mean, everyone is busy. No one has enough time. And um, one of the things that. Um, that I see in the biohacking community is that people can, I mean, myself included, you can go down some pretty wild rabbit holes and just really get deep into the weeds, um, trying to reach some kind of perfection. And one of the issues of that is that it makes the whole biohacking movement and community a little bit too weird for most people and a little bit inaccessible. Um, and especially if you're asking people to, um, you know, buy some crazy fancy expensive thing or take a lot of time out of their day. Um, I mean, some of the things that look really awesome for an Instagram post are just frankly not that practical. Like, for for example, in the cold therapy space, I'm lazy. I just know myself. I'm not going to go to the store, buy a bunch of bags of ice, and do an ice bath 
consistently. There's yeah. no way that I'm going to do that to get like a daily dose of cold. Yep. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll do a cold shower in the morning or maybe more often than not, it's just a contrast shower, start it out warm and then finish it cold. Um, but, but I mean, everyone's busy and, and so it's great to just find ways to seamlessly integrate something or replace maybe a habit that you have with something that's a little bit better. Like instead of some toast in the morning, have some butter coffee or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Try to replace instead of add, I guess, uh, for your improvements. I like that. I like that. It's And it's really, it, even if it's not replace, it's just nudge, right? If you just nudge yourself in the right direction, just a little bit, over time, those things really add up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. So so this is, so yeah, on the idea, and I we got it. We have to get to this. the The idea of weird, the idea of weird and um, out there biohacking biohacking tools, right? Um, you are the device engineer for Primal Cold, the inventor, the the creator. Um, I'm the I'm the weird guy who's <laughs> right now right now. Um, I mean, maybe it's just a midlife crisis and this will pass, but right right now I'm the weird guy who's trying to encourage uh, as many guys as possible to try out icing their balls, yes. um, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> and, and also, you know, I think chilling your spine is a very yep. uh, interesting thing as well. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's where this whole thing started. So... So this is where then this is where we this is where we first connected was on was on the primal cold um how what do, what do you call the the package the primal cold device is that a fair oh the oh the jet oh you the, mean the, the, the ball chilling thing itself is the jet pack jet pack yeah. yes yeah so the the jet pack so primal cold is the overall is the overall company yeah and you guys That's do some some um like elongated, elongated cool packs or ice packs that are designed really to go across the spine and the shoulders. Um, and you guys kind of have that whole diagram set up. Are there other things that I'm missing? Besides, of course, the right jetpack, now, which those, we're going to get to. Right now, those are the two um, main products. There are other products in the pipeline, but at, at the moment, I think... Um, it just makes sense to to get the idea out there of uh, other more approachable ways to get into cold therapy. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, first, what first brought me to cold therapy was uh, Wim Hof. You know, I mean, yep. he, my goodness, what a what an amazing uh, human being he is. And, but the problem with that is that it seems so unapproachable for a lot of people. It seems frightening to even take a cold shower. And it is frightening. Let, like, let fair. alone yeah, lowering yourself into an ice bath yeah. or, you know, getting, you know, people on Instagram, they're always posting these pictures of like themselves up to their necks in like a frozen lake and they've hacked a hole <laughs> into the, into the ice. Yeah. And it's awesome, and if you've got that available, that's amazing. Um, but in Arizona, it, I mean, you know, it's even a cold shower doesn't really get that cold. For sure. Uh, so, 
so I'm trying to promote this concept of, of essentially cold gear, um, basically just ice packs that you can use that offer targeted cold, um, and also part of that is having some strategic timing. Um, and the strategic timing part is, is focused on uh, chilling before you sleep. Yep. So when you're laying in bed and you're reading a book, or you're messing around on your phone, you can, uh, you know, you can chill your spine. You can lay some ice packs down on your bed, chill your spine, or you can ice your balls, or you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> and what's what I like about that is that it's a way to get a, your daily dose of cold in that takes zero extra time out of your day. Right. And I mean, it's not a replacement for an ice bath. Like that's going to do something totally different for you, but it's, I see it as like a gateway drug almost to get people <laughs> interested in the cold. Um, because, I mean, the whole jetpack thing, icing your balls, it's so outrageous and it will get people's attention. And I'm hoping that that is what gets them to notice um, some real benefits from the cold. And maybe that'll help them, uh, you know, drink the Kool Aid further and, and start taking cold showers and, and really getting into it. Yeah. So, so on that note, um, you you had sent me a jetpack. It's it's become one of my favorite tools, and it's essentially exactly for that reason. Um, yes. You know, before bed, one of the other things that for me, the concept of of jumping in the pool, which right, not an ice bath, cold enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, it's cold enough. Um, but but doing that before bed, the the like time requirement of prepping yourself for the pool, getting out of the pool, drying off. It's it's intensive and there are many days where it's just impossible. So for me, being able to pull the jetpack out of the freezer, pop that thing on, lay down, and um, 15 minutes later put it away, fall asleep, and my sleep quality has been impacted significantly um, by, by using the jetpack device. So it's been, it's been really a fun, a fun tool to have an awareness of and I have to say one amazing job two how did you is it was it just hey this is just weird enough to work how did you get there how did you get to icing your balls as the like, here's here's my entry point into the world it's, it's so ridiculous so uh, so uh, like we spoke about before, you know, Wim Hof definitely turned me on to to the cold, and I'd heard about cold showers, and I'd heard about um, also from Dave Asprey, who who I just call I call him Butterman. Uh, that's who he is yeah. to me. So, so I read an article on Butterman's website about I think it was called like Ice Face or something like that, and it's just about dunking your face into a tray of ice water yeah and so i started by doing that and and really if i unpack why i started there it's i think it's because i was just afraid to do a cold shower like i just i just felt like that was gonna be too terrifying on some level yeah so so i started with, with just doing my face in the cold water and that that was great it woke me up but that was about all it did and I, there's so many anecdotes you can read online from guys about the 
uh, improvements in libido and, and just feeling amazing after taking a cold shower. So I finally started doing that. I noticed the same thing that all the other guys were reporting. And so I wondered, well, why is it that there's such a difference between taking a, a full body cold shower versus just dunking my face in the ice water? And, you know, it turns out that your, your testicles are responsible for making the lion's share of your testosterone. And so it just makes sense. Like, obviously, this is why these guys are feeling um, this boost in their libido. So I figured, yeah. well, how, heck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep taking the cold showers. Um, but what would happen? Because it, it was summertime, and so I felt a little bit of a boost, but it, it wasn't that much. It was actually it was spring. It was April. Um, and, and so the water was starting to warm up. It was kind of borderline at that point. Um, and so then I just went to it. We had, uh, some cold packs laying around and I tried it out and they were, they didn't fit well at all. I mean, it was a nightmare, <laughs> right? But, um, and they were too cold yeah. and they didn't fit right. And I had to sort out some of the cold packs in the freezer. I did a little research, and they were made from PVC. And it was like, I don't want to put that yeah. on my junk, um, which we can get into that later if you want. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, you definitely don't want to be putting something that's <laughs> made from PVC uh, on your goods. Um, but, yeah, I felt just such a shift from that, though, from doing that. And then... I became the weird guy who was approaching all my friends and saying, you have to try this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all doing it still, which is the funny part. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just, it just works. The feedback um, uh, from people on Instagram and, and the first uh, month or a few months here that the, you know, since the product launch have just been amazing. Yeah. Uh, and the, so the Instagram feed is primal at primal cold, right? Yes. Cool. Um, so let's I, the 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 actual the 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 technology to to the product because I think I think the one of the really nice things is the amount of of energy you've put into making the product really effective and safe. Um, so. Uh, PVC one issue, but there's also the issue of of being too cold uh, on the skin, right? So you've also you have a, a really interesting um, gel in the pack that doesn't ever get like hard frozen. It stays just just above that like perfectly slushy point, and then a minute after you take it out, it's like ready to go. Part of that depends on your your freezer. Okay. Um, we did. I mean, we definitely put a, a lot of thought into the composition and, and worked with um, uh, with a, a company in Canada that's uh, FDA registered and just has a very safe uh, set of materials that they use and um, for their products. Um, but if you set your freezer all the way on cold and you put this. You put the jetpack in the very bottom of the freezer. You can probably make it solid. You can make it frozen solid, but in general, you don't want to do that. It's just far too cold. Um, and if it's too cold, then it will sting your skin, and you won't be able to leave it on there for very long. Right. So you'll actually you'll actually be able to deliver 
probably a little bit more cold if you're leave if it starts out as just a slushy wet consistency um yeah i mean there's no there are no heroes uh, in the world of ball chilling and no records to break um you thankfully you, you don't you don't need to overdo it guys uh, don't get don't get too excited but um yeah, there was definitely a lot of thought that went into the amount of gel, the the design of this thing, um, having a little extra uh, drawstring cord yep. for adjustability to just kind of cinch it up uh, after you chill for a few minutes. You can you can cinch that up, and that helps get even more keep, cold contour on your body. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, so a lot of thought went into it. It's um, it's all made in North America. And and essentially assembled uh, by hand. Uh, this is not some like product that's cranked out in China. Yeah. Um, and yeah, back to the back to the PVC. I mean, if you look on Amazon for cold packs, there are packs that will say they're made of nylon, and the outside of the pack is made of nylon, but then the inside, it's a nylon fabric, but that can't hold uh, any <laughs> water or, or gel or anything like that. It would, it would just seep right. right through it. So the inner material is PVC, and the way that they're made, they're PVC cold packs, they, the seal is, um, is accomplished with heat. And one of the byproducts of heating and melting PVC is dioxin. And dioxin is highly carcinogenic, <laughs> and it is uh, known to impact your heart, your reproductive system. It's just a very bad chemical. And even though the PVCs out there, they say they are, they say they're safe because they are free of plasticizers. They're still, I feel like, a very real potential risk of having dioxin just on the surface right. of of the cold pack at those points where they melted and sealed it and cut it to shape. Um, and my goal was to make something with materials that are like the plastic is safe enough to pack my kids' school lunches in if I wanted to. Got it. Um, yeah, especially because if you're putting it on your balls, I mean, my goodness, wouldn't she want it to be safe? It's true. It's... So, or else you're sort of defeating the purpose. <laughs> it's very, very true. Just the, just the concept of the kids showing up to school with uh, ice packs that are jet packs is just <laughs> rather funny to me. I mean... Yeah, yeah. It's, but it, it's the same type of plastic yeah. as, um, in many ways, though, as like a sandwich bag material. Yeah, or that makes like sense. That. It's, yeah, yeah. You want it to be essentially food safe. For sure. A, a cold, you want a cold pack for your nutsack that's so safe you can eat off of it. <laughs> <laughs> 2018 marketing slogan. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, but you're right. I mean, I think, and those are the things that. Those are the things that really matter that are um, overlooked way too often, because because you can save a couple you can save a couple cents here, or you can save a significant amount of money here. But um, the the value of safety of the human organism is pretty hard to measure. I'm, I don't know if you know if you're gonna do something as ridiculous as as a product like this. I mean, you may as well do it 
right <laughs> you know really? um, yeah I, I yeah i mean it's so something that um that impacted me from just a long time ago uh actually when i was a freshman in college we had a a visiting professor from florida uh dr lou gillette and he and his research team uh, they studied alligators in polluted lakes in florida and they, I mean, this guy, he was not like an ivory tower academic. He would wrestle juvenile male alligators out of the water <laughs> and onto his boat. And they would take blood samples from them and they would measure the penis length of the alligators. And so, I mean, this guy is a true badass academic. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. And he was, he was blowing the whistle on on BPA um, and mm. xenoestrogens, these are synthetic chemicals that act like estrogen in the body. He was blowing the whistle on all that 15 years before anyone had heard about BPA-free plastic and all of that. Um, and he he even testified before Congress and said that uh, every man in this room is half the man his grandfather was. And what he meant by that is the research is showing that that there are generational declines in testosterone in men, and this is um, speculated to be because of uh, these synthetic estrogen-mimicking chemicals that we're just putting out into the environment everywhere. And so that really left an impact on me because part of the take-home message of this was it's unavoidable. This stuff bioaccumulates. Um, yeah. It's lipophilic, which which means yeah. that it um, is fat loving, so it stores in your fat. It bioaccumulates. Simply having a clean diet and having and not using a nonstick, you know, skillet and stuff like that is not enough. Like you can't <laughs> avoid it. And so, so everyone's everyone's balls, every guy's ball. I'm sorry for the women that are listening to this. Um, <laughs> Even if there are any women listening, but if you are, maybe you, I'm sure you have someone with balls in your life that you care about. But sure. men need all the help they can get because there are these generational declines in testosterone, and yeah. it's just it's horrifying to think about really what we're doing um, in just sort of an unconscious way uh, to the world that we're living in. So, so that really somehow informed part of this as well. I, I, that, um, that's a long path from, from shrinking alligator penises to, uh, to where we are. It's an interesting, <laughs> I, I'm, I think there's a couple of things that you said there that are, um, really hitting home. One of them, just the, the idea of the lack of awareness of our own individual impact on the world that we live in um, is is kind of s scary to me. Um, you do you do some things that I view as um, really really super interesting and um, in that hippie realm that I really want want everybody to push more into. So one, I know you are you're a mushroom hunter, which northern Arizona is like a really a pretty darn good spot for um, a couple of varieties of mushrooms, right? Yes, yes, you've got um, 
Amanita Caesarea up there, okay. which is known as uh, Caesar's mushroom. That's a good edible. Um, you've got um, the white king bolete, Boletus barosii. That's up there. That's beautiful. You've got the regular um, king bolete, Boletus edulis, at the higher elevations up on the San Francisco peaks, for example. Um, and you've got lobster mushrooms, which are bright orange. Uh, those are really easy for beginners to identify. And those are great. They turn, you can slice those up and uh, fry them up with your scrambled eggs or something, and they'll turn the eggs kind of a pink color okay. as the, the orange pigment like bleeds out into the coconut oil and into the eggs, and it, it makes for some fun kind of circus eggs. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, wild mushrooms are, are interesting because you will get the first time you eat them, sometimes you'll notice like um, uh, some kind of almost like a subtle high because your body's getting all these micronutrients mm. and trace minerals Interesting. that you're not that you're not getting from wild foods. Yeah. Or you're not getting from foods at the oh, grocery store. And right. if you're not eating wild foods, which I don't eat a lot of wild foods, but um, yeah, so when you do do that, you get some kind of hit from it. It's it's pretty cool. Okay, now, now let me now let me put those two these two last concepts together. So, I feel like there's um, I feel like there's an overall lack of awareness of how we're treating our planet. You when when you're you're spending enough time to forage for food in the wilderness, uh, you really are interacting with with the wild with with nature more than the majority of of human of Americans. Let's, let's, let's keep it to Americans. Um, have you noticed a shift at all in the, in the actual, the environment that you're out kind of foraging through in the last, how, how long have you been doing this? Well, I first paid attention to mushrooms when I was in high school, actually, okay. but, um, up in the, up in the Northwest. Um, and that was, I was I was interested in different mushrooms. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but um, I I definitely approached it. There are um, there are some real deadly poisonous mushrooms up in the northwest that look right. like dead ring like dead ringers for uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Right. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? Amanita so, muscaria. So yeah. So oh, that's. We're, is well, what part of the Northwest? Let's start there. Yeah, so I was in the um, just on the outskirts of Seattle. Okay. Um, but, okay. But there are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of little tiny, tiny brown mushrooms in the Northwest, and some of those can give you a very profound um, experience, and other ones can destroy your liver and uh, put you in the hospital or, or profoundly you. affect you in, a, in another way. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're looking at little brown. We're we're so, not bright. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. But that definitely. I mean, that definitely informed it. when you're hunting for mushrooms up there. It, and if you really get the the severity of the situation, that if you get it wrong, it's a problem. Then it it makes you become serious about learning something deeply instead of just sort of dabbling. Um, yeah, <laughs> and so I've always brought that to the to the mushroom hunting world. Okay, <laughs> okay. 
So I love that. I So mushroom hunting for me, I, I maybe, I hope lots of people, but for me, it's one of those things that I've always really wanted to do. But I uh-huh. feel like you need to have a, a really um, knowledgeable guide kind of give you that leg in. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, that helps a lot. And also... Um... Just having a, a, a good field guide, field guide helps as well. Okay. All right. Get brave and use a field guide. That's what, that's your advice to me. I, yeah. And it's, it's good to, it's good to talk with people because, uh, people that know the area because they can point you in the direction, both of where to look and also what are some good species to start out with that are hard to, uh, mix up yeah. and mistake for something else. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, but in general, I mean, you're, we have, uh, there are two, there are two classes of, uh, people or cultures when it comes to mushrooms. There are the mycophilic and the mycophobic cultures. And this was something that was recognized by, um, an amateur mycologist, uh, Gordon Wasson, uh, many years ago. And so I think just plenty of people, myself, my family included, uh, or my parents, grandparents, all of that, they carry a deep-seated, irrational fear of fungi. So, <laughs> um, so that can be why. And but there are plenty of wild plants that you can harvest that could kill you as well. So um, Va- valid, and, very, and, very true. People, mushrooms have a have a little bit of a a negative rap to them. Oh, for sure. So have you seen have you seen the actual kind of foraging area that you spend time in shift and change at all? I, I've been in Flagstaff uh, 17 years, so I don't know about that. If, if you look back at the snow records, there were some years where there were storms that brought six feet of snow. I mean, just that would collapse the roofs of buildings and Flagstaff, just massive snow. And we don't see that anymore. So there are some shifts for sure, but um, I, it's hard to pick those up even, you know, in an entire lifetime, yeah. even let alone just, you know, just under uh, two decades. Yeah. Okay. So, That's, it's happening, but <laughs> it's it's fair though. It's an interesting. It's an interesting. If we if you look at the perspective of of a human life, it's so short. It's hard to really grasp the the shifts that are happening to a to something with a billion, with a multi billion plus lifespan. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> which which is an inch, which is part of the the sadness of the of the situation. I, yeah, I don't even know what to think. We we have too much information. Like, we're just hairless monkeys. We're not meant to have as much information as we do. And it can make us a little neurotic because we're trying to control everything. Yeah. And, or at least I, I feel that way. I see that even just in the, in the biohacking microcosm and all of that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's true that we are doing a trim, we're, we've turned the planet into a giant experiment uh, that yes. we're running. Yes. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, it's a little, yeah, it's a little frightening, especially, I mean, I've got kids. I think about that stuff a lot. Um, and, yeah. I uh, think that I don't adds, know what to, 
another layer. Yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I saw on your, I think it was on the Vitality Instagram page, you guys have, I saw a shirt and yeah. it said humankind and then it says like maybe be more of both i'm not sure what does it say humankind be both yeah be both yeah and i think that's i think that's great to put uh, simplistic messages out there i um simplistic meaning that it's something that can really lodge in someone's mind and and be effective that way i'm, I'm not sure how how effective really complex arguments are um it seems like simplicity can really help sometimes. You know, it's so. Um, I think simplicity and and starting with commonalities. I, I think if if I could push kind of two concepts on people, it's it's really try to get to the the simplest solution and start with the commonalities. So get to the things that we can agree on, and then let's work back to the point where we disagree. But at some point, somewhere in between us, we have to have something in common because we're, we're the same species. So somewhere with another human, we're gonna have something in common. I, I just, I think if, if everyone took those two things, we could move a lot of things in the right direction. Just like, just like you could do with biohacking, but just making those small little shifts. Yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree. It's it, yeah. It seems like like I see Elon Musk and what he's doing is so interesting because he's captured people's imaginations, um, in a way that is larger than just looking at like the gross domestic product of a of a uh, country or something like that. I mean. He, he's got people excited about going to Mars and these big things. And it seems like, um, I mean, we, we've got all these nuclear, we've got these uh, stockpiles of nuclear weapons, but what we don't have is some kind of, um, consensus on what we should be doing. Like yeah. here we are, we're on what is really a highly sophisticated spaceship that's the planet <laughs> and we haven't we haven't figured out what we should be doing you know maybe maybe we should be paying attention to like uh asteroids that can hit the planet let's protect the planet from asteroids then let's figure out how to turn the planet into a garden of eden and i don't know like <laughs> let, let's figure out how to make the place better yeah and um, but it but it's hard to I don't know. I mean, I've got kids and a nine to five and the dog pukes on the carpet and you're, and you're left with like dealing with the minutia of the day. Right. Yep. And so, so I don't know how you um, work on those two things simultaneously, but it seems like you've got it figured out though, actually with what you're doing um, with the yoga studio and all of that. Um, it, it seems to me like a very practical uh, pragmatic um, and effective way to help move the needle so one uh, i don't know that anybody ever has it figured out <laughs> i think i think i wish i wish i could ever say i got it i've there it is i have it figured out but but i that that being said you know leaving leaving corporate america and um rededicating towards helping people feel better um it feels really different it um it's just a really 
there's a different there's a different energy um, that that comes from from kind of serving people than than it does from what I used to do, which was basically type different numbers into numbers and get paid to do that. I never really understood how how I got paid to do what I did. Um, so I no, I don't have it figured out. Yes, I think that the the community that um, kind of collected around Vitality is is a strong enough community currently, and it's continually getting stronger. Uh, that will have the ability to mm-hmm. shift things in um, small ways in the right direction. So I, I have a I have a couple I have a couple um, quest, couple last questions for you. Um, one of them is is kind of related is kind of related to that. So, you know, we we at Vitality we always try to find these these weird things that nobody's really putting out there in the world and kind of share them with people and just see how these these things compression therapy, the vibration therapy, flotation therapy, just things that are a little bit on the cusp, um, bring them together and share them with people. Because we know that they can really impact how people feel, and when people feel better, they they're just better people. What are the things that you feel like are in the the biohacking, the self improvement world that that are underutilized right now that people should know about? Aside from the jetpack, mm, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> underutilized. Well, I I don't know how well rounded of a biohacker I am, really. Um, I think what's hmm, let me think about that for a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean I do like the I do like the red light therapy. I like anything that you can just seamlessly fit in with your daily routine. Um, I, I think that people should not be afraid to um, to do things that are a little weird <clears throat> because breakthroughs they really don't come from from you know vanilla concepts um you've got to be willing to get out there a little bit but but something that um hang on let me get a sip of water here yeah. one thing i think about in the biohacking community is um you know after you've leveled up uh and you're you know people are you're taking your fancy smart drugs and you're doing all this stuff like, what are you going to do now that you've leveled up? Um, and, and I think service is where, um, service is something that's not, maybe not talked about as much. Um, people are trying to improve themselves in all these ways. You've got all this extra energy now. Your diet's dialed in. You've got your brain working a little bit better than it used to. What are you going to do with that? Do something in service of the greater good. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, I'm just kind of rambling right I now. Think, well, so, I think well, that's something that's not talked about um, enough. I think you're. I think that's um, 100% right. And, and, I, and I think it's a really important portion of um, a real connection to gratitude. And I think gratitude is a really important quality to have in your life. And without without the actual like physical service, um, it there's something lacking, right? You can make a giant donation, like a financial donation to something, and yeah, it feels feels pretty good. It 
The chances are, though, that it doesn't that making a giant financial donation isn't you're not the chances are pretty strong that you won't make a donation so significant that it will impact the quality of your life but when you actually take time um out of your life to provide to provide others with some type of service it it changes you and there's a different kind of uh, energy or currency exchange there like this this you're filled in a different way and I, I think I think actually that's one thing that it might not be a biohack, but just an underutilized life tool that can really replenish people is just giving a little bit, giving physically giving. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Um, at, yeah, so instead, I, people are always looking for like, and this is funny. This is so you know not in service of, of the jetpack and primal cold, but people are always looking for that next thing, right? Yep. The next biohack to help them out. And, um, and one thing that, that I don't hear anyone talking about is that, um, you're entitled to the work, but you're not entitled to the outcome of that work. And the, the problem, one of the problems that the internet, uh, you know, puts in our lap is that we have limitless information and that on how to improve ourselves and whatever. And, and that information, it's so easy to confuse that with control. I mean, you have, you have Butterman, you got Dave Asprey saying he's going to live to 180. Okay. And what that does is that makes it now so that, I mean, I'm aware of, of all the implications of, of diet and what that can mean for outcomes of cancer and all that. And now it makes it so that if I eat a cookie, it's not eating a cookie. It's now this like metaphysical, it's like an existential crisis yeah. of like, if, if I eat this cookie, this might be the thing that triggers the precancerous cells in my body and kills me dead. <laughs> so it's, so basically where I'm going with this is that, is that the, the thing to do if you're looking for the next biohack is to be forgiving with yourself and to realize in some ways that, you, you have, um, the right to the work, but not the outcome. And you just have to sort of accept that and do the best you can. And it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's so true. It's the, it's the, you know, it's so in line with kind of what, what we're, we're really, um, talking about on a daily basis around vitality, which is just, you know, there are things that you have the ability to control, and that's the, the work that you put in. And then there are things that you don't have the ability to control, and that's the outcome. So it's, you're entitled to the work, but not the outcome. I, it's, it's so true, and it's so simple, and it's still difficult. Um, it's, it's just difficult to grasp that if I want to make a change that requires 180 days of work, I can't do – there's nothing I can do today that I, will get me that 180 days of change. But if I don't do today's work, then I'm still 180 days away where I, want, I should be 179 days away. So there's that commitment to the process, doing the things you can do to make to, – to get what you can out of, of each day, it's – it's my 2018 kind of moral motto, what I, what I want to see, and 
I keep talking. I keep talking about this to everyone. Um, for some reason, uh, there seems to be a lot of optimism around the potential of 2018. And I know every year there's there's optimism around the you know there's the there's the mm-hmm. New Year's resolution thing. But for some reason, 2018 seems to have a little bit more energy behind it. And I'm terrified that it's just going to go to waste. So I've been really preaching the concept of just go out and do whatever it takes to, to make 2018 fulfill its potential. And you can't control the potential, but you can control the work you do to, to, to release it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, All right. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Joel, you, you and I, I'm... I could I could I could chat with you for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, we will have to do it again for we sure. Sh- we um, should for sure. All right, I'm going to I'm going to let you get back to life, but I have one final question yeah. for you. Um same question I end the podcast with for everyone and it's do you have any questions for me? And if the answer is no, the answer can be no. You know, I have a lot of questions for you, but um, just because what you're doing down there is is so interesting. Um, I'm wondering, one question I have, I guess, is goes back to that shirt, actually, the humankind shirt. Yeah. I'm wondering what, what other messages are you putting out there through Vitality or... Um, or are you thinking of putting out through yeah. there? And and I'm meaning these kind of simple, meme-like uh, idea viruses. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, our, our biggest concept is kind of right along the lines of this podcast, which is really just live legendarily. Um, so do do all of the things that you can do to the, to the best of your ability, whether whether that's kind of rooting your back foot in a warrior two so that you make sure that you're fully engaged all the way through the pinky toe up into the hip socket. Um, or it's, you know, saving somebody on the side of the road. I think both of those things to, to quote Chris Ty Melodisto, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So just living life legendarily, um, it, that's that's our first and foremost. And the, the second one, it really came out of that concept that I was just talking about for 2018. So I was I was talking with Heather Janeski, who's one of our teachers. Um, she's a she actually is a a frequenter of Flagstaff, um, big 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 rock climber. But she's talking about this concept of of really owning the the warrior component of 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 force more or less so it's a yoga studio vitality is a yoga studio so there's a there's a generally there's a lot of feminine energy in vitality um and i think oftentimes that feminine energy has a um has a tendency to shy away from from a forceful energy. So mm-hmm. Heather and I were having this conversation about 2018 and trying to make it better and what we can do. And it's really, we really wanted to tell the story of connecting to that, to that warrior component and, and the new idea of warrior, which is just about being strong 
and sharing your strength, right? So we're not talking about, we're, we're hoping no one's picking up battle axes or things and attacking people. This is, this is just about sharing that, that strength that you have inside you with everybody else. So I think those are our two, our two things for this year. Live legendarily and kind of share your inner warrior. That's, that's tremendous. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. And I, um, I love that question. It's, it's a really interesting thing. And it, it's actually only become really recently that we've started to connect to the, more to those, those messages, that, simple, that simplistic message. So I really I like that you, you've put a new perspective on that thought process for me. I'll say that. I, I ask that because there are so many brilliant minds out there that have good ideas they're very articulate and they might be almost too smart for their own good and the problem though is that it's not they're not able to cross that chasm into making their complex ideas easily digestible for people yeah and it's it's almost like they need to figure out how to it's like they need to consult with a marketer or something, oh, someone who sad. understands how to how to just make something just diamond pure, just so just clarify a very complicated, nuanced position into something simple that people can people can use in their daily lives. So, yeah, so I, I think it's great that you're putting those messages out. Sure. Thank you so much for carving this time out of your day. I know, um, I know this isn't, isn't easy, so I greatly appreciate it, man. It's so easy. We're going to do it again sometime. I, I, I would love, love to do this again, for sure. Cool. Maybe I'll make the trip up to Flagstaff. We'll do it in person. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or some mushroom hunting or something. Yes, that would be fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Let's do that. Cool. Love it, cool, man. Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, um, I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah. All right. Take care. It was really good to chat. Thanks, man. How lucky are we? Conversations with people like Joel Green just continually push me back to that reminder of what an amazing opportunity all of us around the Vitality community have. Um, there's just so many amazing people. There's so many amazing ways to make yourself feel better. And in this episode, we talked about cryotherapy. We talked about light therapy. We talked about mushroom hunting. We talked about raw water. We talked a lot about biohacking, but at the end of the day, all I can think of is how lucky are we? I will talk to you in two weeks. Thank you so much for being a part of becoming legendary. Peace.